John chapter number 21 and verse number 7, the Bible says, Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he, uh, he girt his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked and did cast himself into the sea. Let's move over to verse 12. The Bible says in verse 12, Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them, and fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. Verse 15 says, So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Now as we stated this morning, Peter has exemplified something in this passage of Scripture that we do not find earlier in his his walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. It has been stated time and time again about the love that Jesus had for John, and no doubt it has been exemplified in the Scripture, John's love for the Lord Jesus Christ. But as we started out this morning in our message this morning, we basically was dealing with this thought that Calvary makes the difference. And I would say to you that in this morning's message, we could see that Calvary made the difference in Peter. For Peter had followed the Lord Jesus Christ and Uh, It was not until the Lord Jesus Christ died on Mount Calvary and exemplified his love uh, and that, uh, that Peter had went into the tomb and seen that the grave clothes were laying in a fashion that it was, it was evident that no one had removed the clothes from Christ for Christ had come up out of the clothing just as he was laying with the clothing around him. So the clothing was telling a story. The stone being rolled away allowed the story to be told. Jesus was showing them something by allowing the stone to be rolled away. But as we find here, Calvary made the difference in Peter. Peter uh, had a, a love and a zeal for the Lord unlike he had had prior to Calvary and he never went back to the old Peter. Uh, Peter continued to maintain his faithfulness to the Lord because Peter understood what had happened at Calvary. Understanding in its, uh, in its entirety what Jesus Christ done for you and I at Calvary will make a difference in your life and it will make a difference in my life. But moving on here, I want you to see uh, the Bible says he saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he had said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee, Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. Now please notice before I move any farther, it was, it was Jesus in verse 15 that saith to Simon Peter, Simon son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Why would Christ ask that to Peter? Now let me remind you, it was, it was Christ that looked at Peter and told Peter that Peter would deny him that how many times Peter would deny him. And then we find that after Peter had denied him three times, Peter remembered what the Lord said. Peter's also understanding, obviously Peter has learned a lesson here. Peter has learned a lesson that the Lord Jesus Christ knew what Peter was going to do before Peter done it. That the Lord Jesus Christ had the ability to know Peter's heart without Peter speaking a word. And that's why there was some frustration that was building in this third, uh, in this, in this question being brought to him three different times because the Lord knew Peter's heart already and Peter was trying to get the, explain to the Lord, you know my heart. You know my heart. He said unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, verse number 17, Lovest thou me? 
Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, Feed my sheep. Why, why do you think that it was that the Lord asked Simon Peter, Son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Obviously, there was, there was something going on here. It was, it was uh, all the time that, this, that Jesus was mentioning uh, John, the son of Zebedee, as this one that he loved. Uh, the Bible refers to it as the one he loved. It was no doubt that John and Christ had a special relationship. And we find here that Peter gets in a state where Peter's starting to exemplify uh, in his body and in his, in his life something that has transpired. We said that Calvary did indeed make a difference. We see the difference because we see how Peter is reacting after Calvary, after the resurrection, after the Lord has appeared unto him again. We see that John says to Peter, it is the Lord when they were in the boat fishing. And we see that there was no discussion. And we find that Peter girded himself and out of the boat he went headed for Jesus. He didn't care what the others were doing. He didn't care about the boat. He didn't care about the fish. He just cared about being with the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll say that's a good starting point for you and I tonight just to be where Jesus is at. If we could just get it in our heart to put all other things aside but just be where Jesus is at, what a day of victory it would be in your life and in my life and it would be a wonderful day if we could get that way. But notice with me here, I feel uh, by the way the scripture is worded that Jesus sees something in the heart of Peter that he is fixing to bring out. Now, notice with me, if you will, that in verse number 18, the Bible says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest. When thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, Follow me. So we mentioned this morning, and we kind of stopped right here with this thought that Calvary made the difference in Peter's life. And Calvary has made a difference in your life. And Calvary has made a difference in my life. I want you to know that Peter has got to the place where he wasn't going to let circumstances dictate his service to the Lord. But here's what I want you to notice if I can. The Bible says here in verse 20, Then Peter turning about seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved, following which also leaned on his breast at supper, and said, the, uh, and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter interjects. Notice the Lord doesn't answer. I want you to notice that. This was not a question that, that John got to ask, that, that there was a quiet moment for Jesus to respond to John. But Peter interjects, and he says, the Bible says, Peter seeing him saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? What's he talking about here? Well, John says something to, to the Lord, and we understand here that before the Lord can answer, Peter has something to say, and Peter seeing him saith to Jesus, Lord, what shall this man do? What has Peter just understood? He's just understood here that in uh, verse number 18 where the Bible said, I say unto thee when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands and others shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. The Lord has revealed unto Peter how Peter was going to die. And it's been stated here that Peter loves the Lord and I believe that the Lord knew Peter loved him. But I do want you to see that the Lord was not done working on Peter. Peter was one of those disciples that longed to be where Christ was at, but I believe he rubbed on the patience of our Savior. And our Savior had to teach Peter some things that maybe others would have had nailed down. You'll find in the ministry and in church that's the way it goes. There'll be things that some people have nailed down that others will not. Others will have things nailed down and, and you wish that, that others over here would get it, but they do not. It is a learning experience and, and this is a matter of growth and people grow and, and there's different stages of spiritual maturity. You know that 
and I know that. It is not uh, in such a manner that everyone is on the same page all the time. But I do want you to see here that the Bible says, Then Peter, turning about, saith the disciple whom Jesus loved following, which also leaned on his breast at supper, and saith, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? Notice Jesus' response to Peter. Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Now, this is an interesting portion of Scripture because as we started our message this morning, we were dealing how Calvary made the difference in Peter. But tonight, we're going to see what difference uh, that Peter makes with Calvary. And see, Calvary's made a difference in us, but what difference are we making uh, in others with Calvary? I do want you to see here that Peter has had his eyes on Calvary. He's seen Calvary. He's seen the empty tomb. Uh, He's scratched his head. He's rubbed his chin. He's considered what he's seen in the tomb. The Lord has revealed himself to Peter. Peter now, he's been broken because of his reaction to the Lord when he followed afar off and distanced himself. And uh, he's beat himself up, if you will, over his response. And Peter is a man that's, that's in, got to witness Calvary, but Peter's also a man that's got to have a little grace and a little mercy extended to him. Uh, the Lord didn't throw Peter away when Peter made a mistake. Amen right there. Aren't you glad that the Lord didn't throw you away or throw me away when we made a mistake? I'm prone to wonder, friend, prone to make mistakes, prone to put my foot in my mouth, prone to say things I wished I hadn't said but can't take them back. We're prone to do these things by nature. But I do want you to understand here, the Lord didn't throw Peter away, but he continued to work on Peter. And after Peter's exemplified that he was willing to jump out of a boat when all the other disciples stayed in the boat, when, when the Lord and him had a conversation about whether or not he loved him, or whether or not Peter loved the Lord, we understand that the Lord had a way of making a point without saying exactly what was going on. Three times he asked Peter, do you love me? But Calvary's made a difference in Peter. But what difference will Peter make with Calvary? See, Peter had his eyes on Calvary when he jumped out of the boat. See, it's fresh on Peter's mind. All of these happenings are, are, are really close in time. Peter has, has went from denying the Lord to seeing uh, the Lord's mercy and the Lord's grace and the Lord's blood being shed at Calvary to see him resurrected and start to put the puzzle pieces together and understand just exactly what it was that Christ had done. And when all of the puzzle pieces connected and all the dots were put together, this picture is now painted and it done something in Peter's life. It changed Peter forever. Calvary changed Peter. And so when he sees Christ on the seashore and realizes who it was, when John speaks to him, out of the boat he goes and heading for Jesus. He had his eyes on Calvary. He, he had his mind where Calvary was at. He was fresh in his mind what Christ had done at Calvary. But, but notice with me, if you will, he's got Calvary on his mind all the way through verse number 17. Lord, you know that I love you. And in Peter's heart, he probably felt like he loved the Lord more than all of the other disciples did. And the Lord asked him, do you lovest thou me more than the rest of these? And so here's what I want you to see. We find that Peter takes his eyes off of Jesus. Something causes Peter to speak, to interject, to interrupt before Christ had the opportunity to respond to John in verse number 20. And in verse 21, Peter seeing him saith to the Lord, and what shall this man do? Jesus saith unto him, if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. In other words, you don't need to get caught up, uh, Peter, in looking at John. You do not need to concern yourself with my will for John. You need to concern yourself with my will for you, Peter. Peter, you need to worry about what I am asking for you to do in your service to me. Do not get caught up with John. Do not get caught up with the rest of the disciples. Quit looking at what others are doing. Pay attention, Peter, to what you're doing for me. Because what I've done at Calvary, Peter, I've done for you. See, I do want you to know that John, when Christ died on Calvary, he died for John. 
When Christ died on Calvary, he cried, I mean, he died for Peter. But it was personal to Peter to know what Christ had done for him. Listen, Christ died for you, and I'm so glad that he did. But Brother Gene, Christ died for me, and I'm so glad that he did. And so I want you to know here that we run into a problem when Peter had his eyes on Calvary, things were in line and things were good. When he took his eyes and placed them on John, he removed his eyes from Calvary. You cannot hone in and get tunnel vision on an individual or what they are doing or not doing, friend, Because when you do, you will remove your eyes from that of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he done. Listen, I want you to know that placing your eyes um, on what God chooses to do with someone else in comparison to you will hinder you. All right? Notice this, though. When you see a lost man, you should see Calvary. When you and I look at a lost and dying world, we should see Christ crucified. When you see a saved man, you should see Calvary. When I see a saved man or woman, boy or girl, they should exemplify Christ. I should be able to see them and know that they have been to Calvary and Calvary has made a difference in them. Let me say when a lost man sees me, he should see Calvary. I should exemplify Calvary to a lost and dying world. When a saved man sees me, he should see Calvary. Everything we do should point to that of Calvary. So Peter sees Jesus before Calvary. Peter sees Jesus after Calvary. And Calvary made a difference. Listen, if you can get people to Calvary, they'll see Jesus. See, if we can just get people... See, listen to me. Peter seen the Lord. But when Peter seen the Lord at Calvary, there was a difference in his life. So we must look at people and see Calvary and people should see us and see Calvary. So Jesus corrected Peter, but I want you to notice the patience that he had with Peter. Peter done a lot of things that you and I in our carnal mind would run him in the dirt for. A lot of things we, I mean, it even gets used from the pulpit, you know, of Peter and, and the ignorant things that Peter could say or Peter, Peter could do. You and I can do ignorant things and say ignorant things and and find ourselves in the same shape. But I I want you to notice that the patience that was had with Peter. Now, if you will, turn with me to 2 Peter chapter number 1 tonight. 2 Peter chapter number 1. Now, let me say before we get into 2 Peter chapter number 1, while you're moving that direction... We know that the cross has made a difference in Peter. Calvary has made a difference in Peter. The cross is a picture of suffering. You and I look at the cross of Calvary and we're automatically tuned in or dialed in to a moment in time when Christ hung on the cross. We look at a cross and when we see the cross, we see Jesus. When we see the cross, we see Calvary. When we see Jesus and Calvary, we think about the crucifixion and we remember what happened there. So the cross made a difference in Peter. Calvary has made a difference in Peter. And the cross is a picture of suffering. And suffering changed Peter. Peter seeing Christ willing to suffer, bleed, and die. That experience changed Peter forever. You understand that it was love exemplified. Jesus Christ exemplified love at Calvary. Suffering and love changed Peter forever. All right, so notice, if you will, that suffering uh, on the cross of Calvary and, and this change that come in Peter, we find that Peter now is going to have to suffer for the Lord. Before he died on the cross at Calvary, you understand Peter wasn't willing to suffer. Peter wasn't willing to be seen with Jesus. Peter was willing to cuss and use vile, foul language to be separated from Jesus. He, He went to a great length and a great extent to make sure he didn't have to suffer alongside of Christ. But now that he's had this love exemplified, now that he's seen the suffering, now that it's made a difference in him, we find that Peter is going to have to suffer. 
And so we find that, that the cross is a picture of suffering and suffering changed Peter and love exemplified, broke through with Peter and changed him forever. Uh, why, let me read to you Romans real quick, chapter five, while you hold your place in Second Peter. Romans five and six says, for when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Now we know that he died for the whole world. Everyone is and was ungodly by nature. So for when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Romans 5, 7. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man would, uh, would some even dare to die. Romans 5, 8 says, But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Verse 9 says, Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So Peter has seen the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and it's made a change in him. The suffering changed Peter. The, the love exemplified on the cross changed Peter. The suffering of Christ changed Peter. And now we find that Peter's gonna have to suffer. And does he love Christ? Will he suffer? Well, the Bible says so. Let's look at 2 Peter chapter number one. The Bible says Simon Peter a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through us. We're talking about salvation in verse number four. Now look in verse five. It doesn't just stop at salvation. Notice verse five. Now, now granted, let me, let me explain this to you. Calvary has changed Peter. But Peter understands that there's something else that he is needed. And he has it and can get it through Christ Jesus. Notice what he's exhorting here. He, and beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. Now, now understand it takes faith to be saved by the grace of God. We're saved by grace through faith, right? N minus nothing, plus nothing. But I do want you to know this. He says beside salvation... And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. There's some things that Peter sees that is needed to be added unto mankind after they are saved by the grace of God. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. Now, there's a lot of things right here, and I'm not going to deal with them all. But I do want you to notice two things here, patience and charity, three things, and godliness. Now, verse 8 says, For these things being you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off. Did you know you could be saved by the grace of God and be blind and not see things afar off? It's possible, friend, to be an immature Christian and be blind to spiritual matters. Now the Bible says, But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. What we're seeing here is Peter saying, Without these things, you'll forget about the cross of Calvary. You'll get to the place where you don't see Calvary, you don't see Christ, you don't see the cross. Not seeing Calvary, not seeing Christ hanging on a cross will cause you and I to stray and go by the wayside. He says, wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Wherefore, now he's talking, now, now we're looking at Peter. Wherefore, I will not be negligent 
to put you always in remembrance of these things. Though you know them and be established in the present truth. Peter's saying that as long as I'm around, I'm going to put you in remembrance of these things. These things will help you be reminded of Christ and Calvary and the cross and the shed blood and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And friend, you'll need that to move forward in your, in your life. So he says, wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them and be established in the present truth. Yeah, I think it meet as long as I'm in this tabernacle. What's he talking about right there? He's talking about his body. He's, and, and listen, you are who you are in your body. And what he's saying is who I am, as long as who I am is trapped inside this body, yeah, I think it meet as long as I'm in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. In other words, he's not going to allow them to get stagnant. He's not going to allow them to sit idle. But he's going to stir up and remind them. Do you know what we need today? We don't need something new. We need to be stirred up and reminded about our awful sin problem. Of where we deserve to go. What, what we deserve to have happen to us. But then to know that although we did not deserve it, mercy and grace showed up on our behalf when God sent his son to die at Calvary for you and for me. And so he says, yeah, I think it needs as long as I'm in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. You know what he's talking about in verse 14? He's saying that he knows that in verse 13, as long as I'm in this body, I'm going to stir you up. But I also know that shortly I must put off this tabernacle even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me. So let me say to you that Peter knows that he is a dying man. Peter knows that not only is he a dying man, but he knows how he's going to die. But Peter doesn't say one thing in this exhortation about John. Peter has got focused again on Jesus Christ. And Peter's so focused on Jesus Christ that he is exhorting those to also be focused on Jesus Christ and Him crucified. We must deal with other things in the Bible. The New Testament is full of Scripture to the church, not just to the lost and dying world. There are standards in the Word of God that you and I are to shape our lives by, to live by, to be separated because of these standards, but we must never get far from the cross of Calvary. When you and I get so caught up in the daily grind, in the standards, and what you and I have to do, what we need to do, where we need to go, and forget, friend, what happened at the cross of Calvary, we are not going to do any good. We must keep our eyes on the cross of Calvary. I thank the Lord for his patience. Oh, I was reminded, even, even, even in the pastorate, I was reminded of the patience of the Lord. I read this verse of scripture and I thought about Peter. You know, Peter said, Lord, you know that I love you. How many of us tonight just feel like sometimes, Lord, you know I love you. Lord, you know I'm working for you. Lord, you see what I'm trying to do. Lord, you see what I'm wanting to be for you. And you Lord, you know. Lord, you understand. Lord, you see. But sometimes we take our eyes off Calvary, plant our eyes on problems and other people and things that need to be right and all those things and we take our eyes off of the cross of Calvary and it's not long and the devil has got a foothold in our life today, friend. The Bible says here, verse 15, moreover I will endeavor. Listen, I, this verse of scripture breaks my heart. Verse 13, we see what he's going to do as long as he's living. Verse 14, we know that he's aware that he's dying. Verse 15, he's aware of what he wants to leave after he's gone. It says, moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able, after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. He's saying, as long as I'm here, as long as I'm able... As long as I have breath, I'm going to focus my attention on the cross of Calvary and putting you in remembrance of, a, of, a, of some things that will keep you focused 
on the cross of Calvary. Look, there's a lot of things we need to be doing, a lot of things that's going on in this lost and dying world. But friend, I hope and pray that we as a church never get so caught up in things that we get removed from what Christ Jesus done for us at the cross of Calvary. Moreover, I will endeavor that you be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. You see a man that was changed because of Calvary and he got serious and he got busy about pointing others to Calvary. Not just a lost and dying world, but even the brethren pointed them towards Calvary. Do you know what I need sometimes? I need to be pointed back towards Calvary. Do you know what you need sometimes? You just need to be redirected back towards Calvary. We get to looking at problems and circumstances and tribulations and trials and we forget about Calvary. So notice with me, if you will, turn your Bibles to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. Now don't get lost in what I'm fixing to say because you will if you're not careful. It won't make sense to you why I'm heading in this direction. But it will in a moment if you'll just bear with me. 2 Timothy 4 and 2. Now notice if you will that Paul was a man that suffered a great deal. Peter is a man that knows how he's going to die. Neither man let their circumstances dictate how they would serve the Lord. Now, I will say this, when you look at the life, when you look at the end result, you see two men that are faithful headed towards a common cause. But when you look at their life, how they got there is very different. Now, you need to understand something. We're all shooting for a common cause. But how some people get there is different than others. And, and how we teach and work with people is sometimes different than others. When, when, when Paul uh, had a, had a head, headlong uh, um, run-in with Christ on the road to Damascus, it changed him forever. From that day forward, Peter followed the Lord a long time, Brother Shane, before he got his act together. The Lord had to rebuke him at the very moment when Peter thought that nobody could love the Lord like I do. In the same chapter, the Lord had to rebuke him for putting his eyes on another man. You and I are like that. That's how we are. We're, we're human beings. And so he had to be redirected. We need to be redirected. So Paul and, and, and uh, Peter, they, they're, they're both uh, are headed in a common cause. And let's look at what Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4 and 2. Let's just back up to verse 1. I charge thee therefore before God. So in other words, what Paul is saying to Timothy, he's wanting Timothy to know that I'm saying this to you in front of God. God sees in my heart, Timothy. God knows what I'm telling you to be the truth. You need to take it to heart. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and in his kingdom. Preach the word. Now that is an exhortation. That is a command. That is a charge. Timothy, you need to preach the word. Why do we need to preach the word? Because the word is what makes the difference. So it says, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort. Then we see the charge, but then we see how it's to be done. Now this is what interests me, and I want to try to, to hone in on this for just a moment. He says, with all long suffering and doctrine. Now I want to look at the doctrine first. You say, why? We've gone through this time and time again. Preacher, you're always hounding about the Bible. You're always hounding about the truth. Just bear with me. I'm going to make a point here. We see that there's a charge. Number one, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. When it's easy and when it's not easy. Paul knew that there was definitely times when you preach when it's not easy. Peter knew that there was going to be times when he had to do what he needed to do and it wasn't going to be easy. And so the, the, the exhortation, the charge here is to be instant in season, out of season. This is what you do. You reprove, you rebuke, and you exhort. But then, this is how you do it. So we know what's to be done. We know, and then we know how it's to be done. And how it's to be done is with all long suffering and doctrine. Now, first of all, doctrine is the teaching of truth. All right, truth we know, the Bible says in John 14 and 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus Christ is truth. Amen. 
But John 17, 17 says, Thy word is truth. All right, so, so, so much can be said to emphasize truth. Paul told Titus in Titus 2, 1, But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. Titus 2.10 talks about that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. Psalms 138 says, I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth, for thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. And so we find that the word of God, the truth, is magnified and is esteemed higher even the name, than even the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, which we know to be the name which is above every name. So Jesus' name sits above every name. There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Then he esteems his word even higher than his own name. Now that's important because we are going to look here in Luke chapter number 24 again uh, that Jesus Christ took uh, this Cleopas and he took him through the scripture. But I want you to notice what the psalmist is saying. I will worship towards thy holy temple. Why? He will praise the name, uh, thy name for loving kindness and for thy truth. Why is the psalmist worshiping the Lord? Because of the Lord's loving kindness and for thy truth. What is loving kindness? Now, I do want you to notice here, it's Paul who's exhorting Timothy here to preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with two things, long-suffering and doctrine. Well, the psalmist is praising because of the loving kindness and for truth. And we know that, that doctrine is the teaching of truth. So the psalmist is saying, because I know truth, because of the truth you have allowed me to be partaker of, and because of your loving kindness, I'm going to worship toward thy holy temple. Let's look at loving kindness. What is loving kindness? Loving kindness is simply this, tender regard. Loving kindness is received because long-suffering is given. Long-suffering is bearing injuries or provocation for a long time. Patient, not easily provoked. Now we do understand that it was Peter that was emphasizing patience. To add to your faith what? Patience. I believe Peter was a recipient of a lot of patience. Peter was a recipient of loving kindness. Because of the loving kindness of the Lord, he received loving kindness because the Lord was long-suffering to Peter. Would you agree tonight that the Lord has been long-suffering in your life and in my life? Oh, I have definitely pulled on the long-suffering strings of the Lord Jesus Christ in my life. I have definitely seen times in my life where the Lord should have and could have thrown me away. But he did not because he was a long-suffering God. Now notice this. Uh, long-suffering is bearing injuries <clears throat> or provocation for a long time patient, not easily provoked. Now, you know, if you love people and you love people like the Lord loves people, you're going to hurt when they are not right with God. And so long-suffering is bearing injuries. Well, if you're hurting because they're not right with God, it's going to pain you for quite some time till they get right. But I do want you to notice pain, Brother Gene, causes impatience. No one likes to suffer. No one likes to hurt. Listen, we can be so tender-hearted, Brother Shane, that we cry and weep with tears for people and long for them to get right. And listen, I mean, be so in love with Jesus and care so much for them that through our patience and through our tears, it brings suffering upon us. But after much suffering, then are we get impatient. And once we get impatient, then we get aggravated. Once we get aggravated, then we get angry. When we get angry, we don't care if they get right or not. Why? Because we've got impatient. We're tired of waiting. We're not long-suffering. Aren't you glad the Lord Jesus Christ didn't just wad it up one day and throw it away and say, I'm tired of dealing with them? But time and time again, mercy and grace has been extended to you and me. I thank the Lord for that. 
So we see the suffering of the cross and that example was something that Peter could live by. And Peter, understanding that the Lord had exemplified great patience with him, understood in his ministry the need for patience. Paul also understood the need for patience. That's why he warned this young preacher who had a lot of zeal and love for the Lord, you're going to burn out. You're going to quit. If you're not careful because you need more than doctrine, you need long-suffering. See, we go with doctrine, but if we miss the if we just take the doctrine and don't take the long suffering, we're going to fall short. Because we're going to love people and we're going to want people to get right, and they're not going to get right in the time frame that we think they ought to. And because they don't, it's going to cause us some suffering and some anguish and some pain. Listen, it takes some time out of your life to crawl in your prayer closet and cry and weep for people and to stay tender enough that day in and day out you can beg God to work in their life. And we're to be instant in prayer. We're to pray continually. Let me ask you a question. Who in your life do you have a broken heart for that you know needs to be saved? Are you spending continual time in prayer for them with tears and broken hearted going before God? If you're not, friend, then you may just be getting a little hard hearted. You know why? Because it's suffering time. And you suffer and you hurt for people. And you want them to get right. And when they do not get right, it causes anguish and pain. And when you endure anguish and pain, you desire it to go away. And pain causes impatience. And friend, you know what will kill this thing deader than a hammer? When you and I get impatient. When we get impatient in the ministry, we will kill it. Because when a person gets impatient, they start looking at ways to cut the corners. When a person gets impatient, they start looking for ways to cheat the system. They start looking for ways to make a shortcut. You know what that means? That means when you get impatient and you start cheating the system, making shortcuts, uh, trying to look for an easier route, friend, you just throw the door open for the devil to come in and have a heyday. So what's being said here in 2 Timothy is is what I find to be such intriguing words. He says, preach the word. We can say amen right there. We can even say amen to being instant in season and out of season because we're just such good Christians that you and I would always be willing to share the gospel no matter what the situation would be. But then we find that we're to reprove, rebuke, and exhort. Well, we don't have any trouble straightening somebody out. We don't have any problem sharing the truth. But then we get down here to these two words. It says, with all long-suffering and doctrine. That right there is where things get a little rough. Because you and I are going to have to not just suffer, but we're going to have to suffer a long time. We're going to have to be willing to suffer. Peter was willing to suffer. Peter was exhorting when he knew that he had a cross that he was going to have to hang on. And so here's what, I, here's what I'm emphasizing to you. In Luke chapter number 24, long-suffering and doctrine is what we're honing in on. In Luke chapter number 24, we are reminded of the emphasis on the need and use of the Scriptures. Paul's telling Timothy, use doctrine. Use doctrine. Use doctrine. All right, well, we find here that in verse number 18 of Luke 24, and the one of them whose name was Cleopas answering said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people. And how the chief priest and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came saying that they had seen a vision of angels which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were, uh, which were with us went to the sepulcher and found that even so as the women had said, but him they saw not. Then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? Then we see something that I find such such intriguing. Uh, Verse 27 says, And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning 
himself. Now I want you to notice with me the words that are used in verse number 27. The Bible says beginning at where? Moses and the prophets. Do you know where you'll find that again in the scripture? You'll find that again in Luke chapter number 16. In Luke chapter number 16, we understand that the rich man was suffering in hell in the torments of hell and he begged of Abraham to send Lazarus back to earth to warn his five brethren because he did not want them to come into that awful place of torment. And he was determined, Brother Gene, that if Abraham would send Lazarus back to earth, that his brethren, seeing Lazarus raised from the dead, would change the minds of his brethren. There was another Lazarus that was raised from the dead. That Lazarus that was raised from the dead was showing Christ's power. And it was a, it was a precursor, if you will, to what was to come. For the power of God raised Lazarus, but understanding that Jesus was soon to be crucified and he was going to be raised from the dead. And so here's what I want you to see. Abraham, in Luke 16 and verse 29, Abraham saith unto him, they have who? Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Do you know what Jesus done? All the examples in the world have been given. Lazarus has raised from the dead, not the same Lazarus, but a different Lazarus, has raised from the dead. Jesus Christ, notice with me, what was it that Abraham was being, it was being requested of Abraham to do? Send Lazarus. Why? Lazarus was dead. If one would be raised from the dead, they would believe. What happened when Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead? The graves burst open. The dead come forth with new life. See, all the things that this, this man in hell was determined to get done on earth to prove to his brethren that hell was an awful place and you need not go here was still not the right things to do. It still wasn't going to get the job done for we see a right Lazarus had been raised from the dead. We see the graves had bursted open. New life had been given. Uh, the earth was quaking, friend. Hell was enlarging itself. The plates of the earth were moving. And why? To, to, it was a cry from hell itself. What was going on in hell in Luke chapter number 16 was that this rich man desired something from the Lord. Or desired something from Abraham rather. Abraham wouldn't give it to him. But guess what? The Lord did honor some things. Hell moved itself, hell enlarged itself. It moved the earth. The earthquake, there was a, there was the dead risen again. And it did not make a difference, friend, to a lost and dying world. But what makes the difference? When Jesus Christ opened the scripture. And we find that in Luke chapter number 24 that Jesus opens the scripture beginning at Moses and all the prophets he expounded unto them and all the scriptures of things concerning himself. Then it blows my mind when you get back to verse 32 and they said one to another did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures. I'm more determined in 2021 that you and I better stick with this Bible and what thus saith the Lord than I've ever been any year prior in my life. The more I read his word, the more I study his book, the more I see, listen, Jesus Christ done a lot of things. A lot of miracles were made. The miracles that fed the 5,000 did not get them all to Calvary. Oh no. It didn't, but when Jesus opened the scripture, we find that it caused people's hearts to burn within them when he talked with them by the way and while he opened to them the scriptures. You know what Paul is telling this young preacher, Timothy? He's saying you preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort, but you do it with all long suffering and doctrine. So what are you getting at, preacher? I'm saying we find an emphasis on the, the scripture not only am I emphasizing it, 
Not only did Abraham, the one that was looking ahead to the cross of Calvary, tell a man who was suffering in hell to look to the scripture, but we find that Jesus, when it came time to reveal some things and to reveal who he was, he took Cleopas through the scripture. Can I say to you, he took him through the Old Testament. The Old Testament shows Jesus Christ. So we find here an emphasis on Scripture. I want to say to you that truth is at the top of God's list. We know that He is truth. We see the importance of the truth as it is magnified. You do not place something insignificant besides something that has great significance. Listen to me. If the, if, if the President of the United States come to Blount County... It wouldn't be you that had a seat next to him. Now, I'm not talking about whether you lie. We're not going to get sidetracked here on politics tonight. But I don't care whatever president you want to choose down through history. It wouldn't have been you or me who got to sit beside him. You know why? Because we're insignificant in our little role in government compared to the president of the United States. But you know what the Lord done in his word? In this scripture that is profitable for us? He places long suffering beside doctrine. These two things are necessary. We see that doctrine and truth is at the height of the importance level with the Lord. And we know that long-suffering has been placed right beside the Word of God. Long-suffering is beside the truth. The truth being the Word of God we know is esteemed higher than the Lord's name. And so for that to be placed there, to have an effect on a lost and dying world, for, to, for us to preach the word of God, to reprove, to rebuke, and to exhort, we understand that it has to be done by two means. Through the doctrine of the word of God and with long suffering. Can I say to you, long suffering is simply suffering a long time. Peter knew he was going to have to suffer. Paul knew he was going to have to suffer. But it did not dictate their service to the Lord. I hope and pray, and God help me tonight, never to allow those that I'm trying to help to get me to the place where I become cold and indifferent and impatient and get to the place where I don't care anymore and just want to walk away from the ministry. Do you know there's a lot of people tonight that got on fire for God? got started and had a, ro- a hard road to hoe and things got in their way. A lot of missionaries tonight have walked off the mission field because they got tired of the ministry. They got burdened and they had a, they had a call on their life and it got more than they can bear. Do you know why? Listen to me. Let me tell you one reason why. Because we've taken our eyes off of Calvary. Peter, when he put his eyes back on Calvary, he finished his course. Paul kept his eyes on Calvary and never forgot that stoning that old Stephen stood and took. And it made a difference in his life. Listen to me tonight. And and if I've never said anything since I've been here, I mean this with all my heart. If you take your eyes off Calvary, and I take my eyes off Calvary, and I get far removed from what my Savior done for me at Calvary, we will not make it anywhere in this church or in our homes or in our lives. You and I better get real tender tonight and snuggled up beside Christ and be like Peter and be willing to jump out of the boat or jump out of whatever we need to if it means jumping out and getting us to Jesus Christ. We better stay focused on Him. Long-suffering is suffering long. Long is drawn out or extended in time. Extended just means to lengthen Listen, we're not just going to suffer some. We're going to have to be long-suffering. You and I, if we're going to suffer for the Lord, if we're going to suffer in the ministry, listen, there's going to be some suffering. There's going to be some sacrifice that has to be made. Oh, friend, we're not going to, we're not going to do this thing, get it done right, if we're not willing to sacrifice and have some long-suffering. But I find that suffering is something people don't like to do. Peter didn't want to follow Christ and be suffered. He didn't want to suffer to be where Christ was at until he got his eyes on Calvary and seen what the Lord done for him. You and I are not going to suffer. We are are not made to have what it takes to endure suffering if we walk away from the Lord Jesus Christ. 
We're not going to do what it's going to take in 2021 to make a difference. I'm not guessing here tonight. I'm telling you the facts. I'm telling you the truth. You're not going to make it. You're not going to make it tonight if you take your eyes off Calvary. I'm not going to make it to the end of this thing and get a well done, thy good and faithful servant, if I take my eyes off of Calvary. Listen, all across this land today, people are doing what they're doing and they do not have their mind and their eyes on Calvary. They've got it focused on problems and situations and they're losing it in the ministry. They're getting impatient. And impatience, friend, will cause you to cut corners and when you cut corners, friend, the devil will have his way. The devil will have his way. Listen, people try our patience. How do you know? Because we see people's tried the patience of the Lord all down through the ages. And when we're going to start, when we're going to work for the Lord and we're going to do what the Lord wants us to do, we need to understand that we're also, friend, going to have our patience tried. Ministry will try your patience. Now I want you to notice this. We're talking about doctrine and we're talking about truth. And we're talking about long-suffering, right? Long-suffering is sitting beside doctrine. But notice with me, if you will, Psalms 12 and 6 says, The words of the Lord are pure words of silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Would you agree with me tonight that the truth has been preserved? Can I say to you tonight, your patience and long-suffering has not. What we're going to do tonight is we're going to have to give the doctrine of the Word of God. And we're going to have to do it with long-suffering. He preserved His Word. He didn't preserve us to be long-suffering. Your patience and long-suffering has not been preserved. Can I say it took God to preserve His Word. It took God to preserve the doctrine, the truth. And it will take God, listen to me tonight, it'll take God to keep you patient and long-suffering. It will keep, it will take God to do it. You cannot do it. You don't have the ability. I'm telling you right now, you don't have it within you to do it. You're not man enough, woman enough, boy enough, girl enough, friend, to do it. And get to the end of the matter if you take your eyes off the cross of Calvary. He bled and died. It changed Peter. Calvary changed Peter. Suffering changed Peter. And Peter was willing to suffer. You and I tonight can have the word of God. We can stick it under our arm. We can tote it around in pride. We can preach the word. We can reprove and we can rebuke. And we can exhort with the best of them. But friend, if we don't have long suffering, if we don't have patience, you and I, friend, are going to fail. We have to love people like Christ loved us. I don't always do that. You don't always do that. We don't know what love is apart from Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And it takes us looking at His love for an example to help us love others like we're supposed to love. We get impatient and we'll, we'll get mad at them before it's over with. People we've loved and prayed for, we'll get mad at them. We'll get ticked off at them and just want to quit or throw them out or kick them out or do something different. We got to love them. We got to pray for them. We got to keep our eyes on Calvary. Our head bowed, every eye closed. No one looking around tonight. Sister, if you'll come to the piano, find us a verse of invitation. Friend, how much reproving and rebuking and exhorting are you doing? Then let me ask you this, how much of it are you doing with long-suffering? How much are you doing tonight with long-suffering? Friend, it, it took Calvary to make a difference in Peter. Peter was trying to make a difference by exemplifying Calvary. But you will not exemplify Calvary. You will not make it to the end of this thing in the ministry. You will not make it in this thing as a servant of the Lord. 
You will not be you will not suffer, you will not be long suffering if you don't stay focused on him. I get focused on others sometimes, I get focused on myself sometimes, and I fail to focus on him. What we need tonight is to be reminded, to be stirred up, to be exhorted to remember Calvary. The scene as it was that day. That empty tomb. To know that he died for us. That he rose again. That he ever liveth. To make intercession for the saints. The, the man that bled and died for you and I. Stands willing and ready to hear us when we pray. We're so used to that. That doesn't sink into our minds. <laughs> oh yes. We're so, so used to that, it doesn't even, we don't even comprehend that the God of heaven sits willing and ready to hear from you and me. Oh, but we get so impatient sometimes, we don't even pray. We just get mad at people because they won't do what we think they ought to do. Well, I'm glad God did more than just get aggravated at me. I'm glad he was long-suffering. I'm glad he loved me. I'm glad he had mercy. I'm glad he extended grace to me. Oh, we're not going to move our standards. We're not going to stop preaching this book. We're not going to change from the way. We're not going to compromise. But I'm telling you what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to have some long suffering. We're going to have to suffer a long time. Friend, don't jump ship. Oh, don't quit tonight. I don't know why the Lord led me in this direction. Maybe it was to help me tonight. I don't know. Friend, if you're close to jumping ship, if you're close to throwing in the towel, if you're frustrated at others and about ready to quit, you better ask yourself why you're doing what you're doing tonight. You need to get another glimpse of Calvary. You need to see the long-suffering of a Savior. You need to see the patience of a loving God. It'll make a difference in you, friend. And when it makes a difference in you, it'll make a difference in others.